Welcome back to the Adams Ward podcast, where we are continuing to get to know our fellow ward members and create living histories. And today we're sitting down with Sister Samatha Call, and we're going to jump right in. So Samatha, can you just kind of tell us about your childhood and where you grew up? Oh, well, I'm actually from here. So I'm actually from this stake, and uh, my father was in the stake presidency when they actually built this stake center. So, and my grandfather actually owned the land that the stake center is built on. So I've been around a little bit of time. (laughs) So maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's a bad thing. I don't know. Anyway, but I've loved growing up here in Spokane. Spokane Valley has been great. I went to CV and it was a wonderful time. I lived up Salties, our house is still there. It's an A-frame. And my grandparents' house is still there, also up Salties. But my uncle and aunt live in it and that's in the other stake now, in the Valley Stake. And I'm the oldest of nine children. I have, it, it goes me, six boys. Then I finally got a sister. I was very grateful. And then I have another brother. And we're all good friends. It is just, it's a crazy lot. But uh, my brothers just got back from a, the, a brother weekend down in Vegas. And we, we, are, we are all good friends. We don't always get along. And there has been some hiccups along the way. But we still enjoy each other's company. And we get together for reunions. But I grew up milking cows. I grew up uh, with a lot of boy things, wanting to help with fence and roofing and different things like that, but because I had all these brothers. And we had a huge garden, and uh, I just really enjoyed my time I grew up. We were outside a lot, doing things outside with the boys. And, And I went to CV, and I did debate, and I went to BYU and I did theater, which is no surprise because I'm very dramatic and there's a bunch of drama in our house. <laughs> so I had two girls now graduate in theater, but we're all very outspoken. And then I actually served, do you want me to keep going? Yes, yeah, okay. go for it. I decided to go on a mission and that was a great experience. But before my mission, I actually had the opportunity to go to Israel. And I lived in Israel for almost six months. And it was incredible. It's uh, one of those times where I, my testimony grew and it was an incredible experience. And after that, I went to, on my mission, and I went down to Paraguay. And that is, in the MTC is where I met Michael. Okay. And... That was an incredible experience. I love the Paraguayan people. It's just so interesting how the Lord is just kind of funny. Because I went to Israel and I did all this studying of the Bible. And I just knew all these scriptures in the Bible. And I just thought, I've got to go and prove to the world that the gospel is true through the Bible. And then 
the Lord sends me to Paraguay and these people don't even read. So anyways, it's just kind of like, no, the Bible doesn't convince people that the gospel is true. No, you just got to kind of be convinced and have your testimony grow through the spirit. And that's how the Paraguayans were. They were just so simple. They just loved the Lord. Even before we taught them, they had kind of a misconception of how the Lord was, but they loved the Lord and they were very humble and they didn't need to have anything proved to them. They just wanted to fill the spirit in their lives. And so I was humbled to serve them. They were full of love. And then I got back from my mission and I was eventually I worked at the MTC and that's where Michael and I met again. Okay. So you met Heading out on your mission, and then you both ended up working back yes. at the MTC. Mm-hmm. Okay. Are we there to that question? Do you um, want to we go can, to that? Yeah, question? we can jump ahead, and then we can. Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. Let's so do it. I met Michael at the MTC, and maybe he's going to tell this crazy story. So when I went into the MTC, we went in. We both went in first before our missions. You know, MTC experience right. during December. So we were there through Christmas and New Year's, and then we went out afterwards. And you weren't in the same mission, right? No, he okay. went to Argentina and okay. I went to, went to Paraguay. But we actually, the we weren't in the, even the same district, but we were on the same floor and the districts would all get out at the same time to kind of have a break and we'd walk around the floor and get to know some of the other Spanish-speaking districts. And I, my brother actually served in his mission. And my brother was already out and I was just talking to the different districts and Michael mentioned that he was going to Buenos Aires Sur and I said, that's where my brother is. And so anyway, we carried on a conversation and I was bubbly and happy and he was kind of a little more solemn and just (laughs) pensative and I'm just out there and he will deny this, but I know that he loved me. (laughs) So he actually wrote home to some people about me and I need to get that letter because he says he never did, but I know that he loved me. So anyway, there you go. He, uh, he said he'd write me on the mission and I said he'd write him, but we never did. Okay. And so then just going forward, we ended up both working at the MTC and we met again and that time it just really worked for us and so it was a it was really fun to have a relationship there at the MTC because our districts were they would we would have districts and we're both speaking Spanish we're both teaching Spanish and the districts would go out and they'd get together and they'd talk about Sister Fox and Brother <laughs> Elder of Call and how can we get them together more and blah 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 blah, blah. <laughs> and, and we'd go to meetings and we'd sit next to each other and then they'd talk and stuff like that. So it worked out really nice. And we were married in December and then our first child was born in November. So that was Sarah and we have nine children. I don't think Michael expected to have nine children, but I always tell him, you knew what you were. You knew what I was when you picked me up, kind of like that snake, you know, going up the side of the hill. You knew what I was. I'm from this huge family. I'm the oldest. I've kind of been their mother the whole time. I talk about children. I love children. I 
I uh, talk about babies. And so anyway, did Michael are. come from a large family? Though? He came, he's from a divorce okay. and he has three younger sister, younger siblings, two sisters and one brother. And I think he recognized that I was excited about having a big family. Yes. Well, Maybe. Your children are all wonderful. There you go. So tell us about your Here kids. Here we go. Oh, well, uh, we have our oldest is in North Carolina, and she and her husband are there with our two grandchildren. And we miss them very much. But we're going next month for Yay. Jocelyn's baptism. Oh. So that is wonderful. Our second, she uh, is with her husband, and they live in New York. And she graduated in theater, and she's trying to do the New York thing, which mixed emotions on that one but and then our third priscilla is a teacher and she's down in arizona she's in phoenix area our fourth is ford and he's still working on his degree at byu idaho our fifth is ruth and she has graduated and she is here in spokane right now just trying to make some decisions then our Sixth is Talitha, and she is on a mission in the Czech Republic. And we're very grateful. She just recently called us and said that everything's okay, you know, because of the Ukraine situation. And they're right. Slovakia is right. I did look it up on a map because I was thinking about her and meant to ask. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad to hear it's going okay. So, so far, so they're, they're not, they don't have any. They're staying put. Yeah, they're staying put. There's nothing. Everything is very safe where they're at. And then there is Abigail, and she's a senior at CV, and she's been doing cosmetology. And then there is Hiram, and he actually has chosen to go to U-High, which is very different. But, you know, we're just kind of right here in the corner. Yeah. Distance-wise, it's yeah. also a little closer. So he's doing that, and he's doing his own thing, and... He's doing cool. very well there. So it's been kind of hard in the mornings for Abigail to go one direction and Hiram to go another. I've always, we've always had two children at CV. Okay. So. And he just wanted to branch out and. He's just been. Try just something new. Different. Okay. So, and then Joseph is our youngest and he is actually at Spokane Valley Learning Academy because I've homeschooled the kids. And he. We do that as a part-time thing, and SVLA is a partnership program that offers this option for homeschoolers. If you want to just go for a couple of hours a day, if you want to go the elementary, they have a full-day curriculum if you want to go full-day. So anyway, it's been really good for us, and that's our crazy call family. I love hearing it. Tell us about some of your hobbies. So I really enjoy teaching and I love theater and I actually quite some time ago now I did a production here in our state I did Annie and Talitha was Annie she was so good (laughs) anyway and so I love theater and that's kind of seeped over into a lot of the children a lot of them have been in different productions but it's not like I go out there and look at and being actually in a place. So it's not like a hobby that I do. I just appreciate it and yes. want to be involved when I can and when it works out. I love teaching children. So that's one of the things that one of the reasons I chose to homeschool was I just was fascinated with all the different ways you could teach a child to read, 
all the different sciences, the histories and putting together history curriculum and uh, just different things. I, I have, I have sincerely loved homeschooling. I don't know if my children can say the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> I think they'll look, I think they'll look back. I don't know. You ask the older ones. <laughs> my oldest is not homeschooling, but she's trying to get a degree in nursing right now. And so anyway, she's very busy and nobody else has kids. So I don't know what they'll do. You know, there were good days and there were bad days, but right. kids at public school have that right. with their teachers. And I so admire anybody that has the patience. And I tried to teach my niece the other day how to do a math problem. And I got out, you know, I just get flustered. And so I, it's not one of my talents, but Oh, I wouldn't say it's necessarily a challenge. Oh, like, for sure it My is. kids just, uh, there were lots of math days that, well, it did not go <laughs> well. <laughs> I, I would get out of the lesson, I'd go, oh, I am just not explaining this in the way that they can understand that. Or I didn't use a visual in a way, and so I'd have to go back and rethink it and and actually, I think I've learned a lot through the years on how to teach different things. And, and it comes down to sometimes it works for one child one way, and then the next child, it just totally doesn't different. work for them yes. that way. And so every child just learns so differently. That's what I've learned. Okay. <laughs> so, and besides that, I, I don't have a lot of hobbies. Michael and I try to walk together. Um, I do my out school classes. I, I teach an online classes and that's a lot of fun. I really enjoy that. I'm just applying all, all the stuff in homeschool that I've taught my children. Now I just kind of condense it down and put it into a classroom on out school. And so I do history classes and I do a science class and I do seven habits classes, which are okay. very motivating. So I don't know if you're familiar with Seven Habits. I need to be more familiar, Sean but I've Covey. heard of it. Yes. Well, it's Stephen R. Covey's Seven Habits and his son, Sean Covey, made a book for kids. It's so good. Okay, i got to read it. So there you go. Those are my habits. <laughs> I mean, hobbies. hobbies. <laughs> They're not my habits. I still haven't learned it. <laughs> so I'm trying. <laughs> well, tell us about maybe some turning points in your life or some decisions that impacted so I, I was thinking about that turning points and um, there, there are moments in my life when I, I have felt pure truth and felt so good about the path, the covenant path. And a couple of those are one time I remember actually being in our church building, the Evergreen Church building, and I was in a classroom and I can't remember if it was after young women's or what exactly it was, but my dad was there and we were having a gospel discussion. And he, up on the chalkboard, he drew a line and he said, okay, it's the Mosiah scriptures. And I was gonna look it up, but I didn't get it done. Anyway, the Mosiah scripture that says, the natural man is an enemy to God unless he yields to the enticing of the spirit. And I completely remember my dad drawing this line, like natural man, you're up here and you're going down. 
you're just going down because you're an enemy to God. And it is not until you yield to the, so like a, a graph that you're just heading down and then you yield and you go up and then you go down again and then you yield. And he says that, you know, we're going to have ups and downs, but as long as we keep yielding to the spirit, then, then hopefully our ups by increment, increment, we get back to the Lord. And I have that vision in my mind and it just felt so good. And I have gone back on that. Am I yielding or am I just being that natural woman again? You know, <laughs> Lots of times it's just the battle. So that was a moment. Uh, I have moments from, from Israel where I was on the Mount of Olives and uh, it was at night and we were discussing the atonement and looking across at Jerusalem and seeing the lights and thinking to myself that it probably wasn't much different. He probably was there. And he looked across and he saw the lights of Jerusalem and he suffered. So that was a bit, sorry. I know I have tissues here. Okay, I got them. Anyway, and then my mission, a uh, couple of moments, I remember an investigator who just was so excited about that the, the notion that there's a prophet of God. And he said, where is he? I want to see a prophet. I really want, and I thought, am I that excited about a prophet of God? And then I remember another moment when um, President Monson announced the change in age of missionaries. And at that time, Michael was a funeral director and he worked a lot of Saturdays. And so I was at home and I decided to go and get the grocery shopping done before nine o'clock general conference. And so I left like he had to leave a little after seven. So I left then and well, I think I didn't get out until like between 7.30 and 8. So I was rushing and I was driving home and I got home and it was a little after nine. And I remember the, I had all the groceries and I yelled down, it's conference on. And Dan, uh, Ford comes up to me and he goes, mom, don't, don't bring in the groceries. You have got to come down here. And so I go walking down and one of the children is on the telephone with Lanny, my okay. second oldest. And Priscilla is sitting just sobbing, just sobbing. And I said, what is going on? And they go, the prophet just announced a change in age for missions. And Lanny was on the phone sobbing, saying, I can go now, Mom. I can go. And Priscilla was sobbing, saying, I just have two more years and I can go. And, um, that was a testimony to me. That my children love prophet. And uh, that was a testimony to me how much I love the prophet too. And that made a difference. And then there have been other times when I cannot deny that the Lord has answered my prayer. Um, one time I had names for the temple. And you're not supposed to pass out names, but I felt so strongly about these two sisters that I was working on and that they needed to go through the temple. And I was going and I needed another sister. And it was kind of a last minute thing. And I prayed and I said, 
can you just allow me to pass this out at the door of the temple and let me give this to someone? And right when I was walking up, another couple walked up and I said to her, do you have a name? And she said, no, would you mind taking this name through? I mean, I asked him that that would happen and it did. did. So, you know, there's things I just can't deny that have built my testimony. So, okay. Thank you. No, I I feel the spirit. Too, oh, so, yeah. yes, I've. Um, so yeah, you've kind of touched on, on it most. Anything else that you want to add on how you gained your testimony of the gospel? Um, you know, there's this wonderful talk that isn't distributed very much anymore, and it's called the Candle of the Lord, and it's by Boyd K. Packard, Packer, and. Uh, Michael and I both read it. It was kind of one of these talks that you read before you go on a mission. And it talks about the importance of bearing your testimony and that how bearing your testimony is basically a leap of faith lots of times. You aren't saying things like, oh, I wish it was true. Oh, maybe someday I'll know it's true. But you are taking that leap of faith and saying, I know that these things are real. And I've felt this in my life. And I believe and I know that these things, the church is true. And he says, if only the missionaries could understand that lots of times you gain a testimony by bearing a testimony. And that's when the spirit really is able to confirm the testimony to you. And so, I felt that so strongly on my mission, and I feel it still when I bear my testimony to the kids or in sacrament meeting, but I just don't think we do it enough. I really don't. And I think that's one of the reasons why we get confused, because we're not bearing our testimony and feeling that confirmation. So I'm grateful you're doing these podcasts. I think it's going to give people opportunities to bear their testimony more. Well, and... Yeah, it's motivating me to hear everybody's testimony and to be like, wow, you know, and I think it's improving mine, just these few that I've done, just, yeah, taking it away. So what has nurtured your testimony? How have you continued to grow and learn well, through your adult life? I, I I feel strongly about scripture reading. I I prioritize that in my life. So that has helped me keep on the covenant path. It's not always a dramatic, whoa, but just the plotting of regular scripture study makes a difference. Um, So that and temple attendance, and uh, I love being in that peaceful place. I'm sad it's going to be closed. I know. Trying to figure out, do we need to take a trip to the Tri-Cities? I think we need to go to Seattle. Yeah, start (laughs) temple hopping, right? Yeah, really. So, you know, even though it's still just the regular thing. And and as a mother, I think that we need to take moments with our children. And that is so difficult sometimes when they get older and they're teenagers. Man, trying to get them to talk to you and... And to converse and be excited about things sometimes is tough, but I think being there for your children and taking those opportunities to testify to them that that is a opportunity for me to reaffirm and confirm my testimony. So, thanks. 
Um, before we conclude, is there anything else that you pondered or came to mind that you wanted to share before? I think that's, I think I've probably mm-hmm. shared enough. <laughs> <laughs> so we've tried to finish with what does being a follower of Christ mean to you? Um, you know, I like some of these podcasts that talk about all in. I like these little idioms that, uh, that some of the uh, general authorities have used being a low maintenance member, meaning that you're just doing what you need to do to build the kingdom. And, uh, I, uh, Ask the question one last time. What does being a follower of Christ mean to you? I think that it means trusting. I think it means trusting not just, um, you know, Christ, which is so the, the, the pinnacle of trusting Christ, but trusting those whom he sent to influence your life, like parents, like, you know, ministering sisters or a bishop, state president, a prophet. I think it's all about trusting those servants and then trusting God and the Holy Spirit when you feel that guidance and and you want to second guess, but then you say, no, I'm, I'm going to trust that. That's what follower of Christ is to me, is trusting. Thank you. Thank you, Sam, with a call. We enjoyed hearing your testimony and excited to have everybody else learn all about you. (laughs) Okay.